0: Salvation for us, what that means is that we are free. That means that sin has nothing on you anymore. Think about that for a minute. Salvation has nothing on you anymore. It can no longer hold you accountable for your past mistakes. And all of those reminders that get fed to you all the time about, hey, remember who you used to be. Remember all of those things in your past. Man, remember those mistakes you've made. Man, remember how dark your past is. And when those reminders come, we're able to say, you know what, that's true. Man, I remember who I used to be. I remember those mistakes and the things in my past that held me back. Man, that was a dark time in my life. But you know what, that, I'm free from that now. I am completely free from that. That has no control over me anymore. That now when we talk about our present state in our lives right now in the present, as we go about our day, as we sit in these chairs tonight, that sin has no control over us. You guys understand what that means? Sin right now in this moment has no control over us. And that fear and that pain that sin loves to try to throw at us and the enemy likes to get us to to focus on has no control over us, has no impact on us. And then you think about our future and how sin ultimately leads to death, that that's, where, that's the road that it takes us down, but not for us. Not for us. We, are, we have been freed from that path. And even though that's the destination that sin wants to take us, for us we have been freed and it doesn't take us to that place. And we're able to look and go, you know what, it, sin may lead to death, but I've been set free from that and I've got life. Man, Jesus, I've been set free. I experienced that freedom from my past, from the present, but also from the future to know that that is not going to take me down the road that leads to destruction. That I have been set free. And do you guys understand how big of a deal this is? And sometimes I think we look and we go, salvation, man, that's, that's pretty cool. That's all right. Man, I'm free. All right, thank you, Jesus. That's great. Now, what's for lunch? You know, or we just kind of move on. It's like one of those things that kind of comes in our, in our mind and out, and we don't really think anything else of it. And Instead of understanding what incredible impact this has in our lives, and we're able to look at sin and death in the face and go, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Because I have been set free. Salvation for me means freedom. And you have no control over me. You may have once, and my life may have been headed for destruction, but I have been set free now. What an unbelievable thought that that is for us. Now, it's important for us to walk around each day knowing that salvation is ours. But I think it's just as important for us to understand how salvation became ours. And I think here's where sometimes a lot of us get confused. The enemy does a really good job of, of confusing us and causing, you know, not allowing us to have clarity in this area. Where we think, and, and the enemy kind of throws these lies at us and gets us to believe that, you know what, if, I, if I'm good enough, I mean, if I try hard enough, if I show up at reckless, if I really try to do a really good job and live right and, you try to be a good person, and man, one day when I stand before God, and you know, I, I really believe hopefully that my, my good things will outweigh my bad things, and, and God will say, hey, because you, you were basically a good person, or you tried really hard, or you, know, you grew up in, in the South, and so therefore you're probably a really good person. We, we sort of add all of these things on, and we get confused about really how salvation became ours in the first place. And we think that it's our own effort or the things that we do that leads to, to our salvation and to our freedom. Or sometimes we feel like there's kind of this joint effort between God doing his thing and us doing our thing. And together we've kind of worked, worked this thing out to where now we've joined forces and we've eradicated sin together. and we've been, And we now have salvation because of the things that we've done and God kind of chipping in and helping out as well. See, we, we add all of this stuff to the mix, we add all of these other things, and those are all lies from the enemy. The truth is, the only way that salvation has become ours is completely 100% because of only what Jesus has done for us. It's not Jesus died on the cross for us and paid the penalty and then we were good people and we showed up at church every week or we sang songs really loud at Reckless, or we gave to the Nicaragua offering, and so therefore that combination kind of was the right mix, and all of a sudden now we're set free. Because what, what the Bible talks about, about how all of those good things we do are like filthy rags to Jesus. Not that those things don't matter or aren't important, because they are, but they have nothing to do with our salvation. Our salvation is only ours because of what God has done for us. God is the one who has forgiven us. God is the one who has set us free. God is the one who has paid the penalty for us so that we could go free. It is absolutely 100% not because of what we've done. It is only by the grace of God for the glory of God. And listen to me, guys, if we add anything else to the mix, then we have completely messed this thing up. And we and we do that because we're like, you know what, I'm in the South, and mom and dad raised me to be a Christian, so I feel like I've been a Christian all my life. And I show up at church and I do these things and I and I feel like I'm checking a box and I'm okay. And so somehow God's gonna look at me and He's gonna be pleased with me, or He's gonna go, you know what, you've done enough. I'll go ahead and free you from your sin. You know, what kind of a cruel, heartless God would send his son to die for us if he never had to do that in the first place? If we could just somehow do it ourselves and earn it ourselves, then there was no reason for Jesus to come in the first place. You guys, do not allow the enemy to distract us or to cause Uh, 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 confusion or misunderstandings in our heart or in our mind about how we come to faith in Jesus it is only because of what Jesus has done for us by grace are we saved through faith because of what God has done so we can't add anything to the mix we can't add a bunch of rules and regulations and church stuff and trying to be a good person it's only because Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins Psalm 62, 1 and 2 says, I find rest in God. Only he can save me. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defender. I will not be defeated. I mean, they're very well, and I would bet that there are, some of you in the room tonight who have never taken that step where you've received the salvation that Jesus is offering you. Maybe you've kind of had that mindset of going, Well, I show up at Reckless every week, or I come and I'm involved and I try to be good and and all this kind of stuff, and so I'm I'm hoping that that's going to be enough. Or maybe you've understood it and you know that it requires faith and trust in what Jesus has done for you, but for whatever reason, you've never taken that step of faith. And we talk about this freedom that is ours freedom from our past, freedom in our present, the, the control of sin. And freedom in our future. If we have never 100% only placed our faith and trust in what Jesus has done. Then that freedom does not belong to us. We are still lost in our sin. We are still held captive because of our sin. And that, that penalty is still ours. We still have to pay the cost for that. That sin in this present state, we still walk around every single day in control of sin. Or being controlled by sin, I should say. And when we think about our future, there is no future for us as long as we try to do it ourselves or don't place our faith and trust in Jesus, where our future involves freedom from our sin. And so tonight, if you guys are in the room tonight and you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then understand that that's where you are. And for us to say, you know what, man, I've I've messed it up or I've confused it. So God, I'm putting my faith and trust in you alone. Then that salvation becomes ours. And it becomes like a helmet that we put on. And it protects every part of who we are. It's the foundation of our lives. Now, it leads to the final piece of armor that we're talking about. Look again at verse 17. It says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the last piece of armor is the sword of the spirit. All right, sounds like a, a really fancy word. He says, which is the word of God. Now we talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about how in this battle that we're in, this armor that we have, primarily every single piece of armor that we have is used to defend us. All right, it's used for us to be able to resist the attacks that come our way. It's been given to us so that we can stand firm and go, you know what, I'm not I'm going I'm to allow these attacks from the enemy to destroy me. And so we put on this armor and it defends us. It allows us to stand firm and stand strong. But the interesting thing is this last piece of armor that Paul's talking about is actually used to go on the offense. That now we're able to say, not only am I able to defend myself, ...from the attacks of the enemy. But now I'm able to go on the offensive and take the attack back towards the enemy. I don't have to just stand here and just defend, 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 defend. I've got a weapon to fight back and to destroy the enemy. And he says it's the sword of the spirit or the word of God. And here's the, the, the thing that's so frustrating. And the difficult thing is that we've been given a weapon... And yet so many of us go through every single day not using it. And because of that, this this weapon that we've been given to take that fight and go on the offensive and go on the attack against the enemy, we just kind of put it aside and we just go, you know what, I'm just going to kind of hold on. And God's given us the ability to defend ourselves, but also to go back and to take that battle and, and to start fighting back against the enemy. Let's say that um, tonight I'm like, hey, let's, uh, you and me, out in the parking lot, all right? We're going to fight, all right? Mano y mano, we're going to go, we're going to start trading blows, so I want you to meet me out, out in the parking lot after Reckless is done, and we're going to fight, all right? How many of you guys think you could take me? (laughs) This is so jacked up. Why are there girls raising their hands? I'm actually offended right now. All right. So if I were to say to you, hey, you and I in the parking lot after Reckless is done, everybody gathered around, you you and I are, you know, whatever. Most, a a lot of you think that you could take me on. And I'll give it to you, all right? I'm not all that intimidating looking. Um, 160 pounds. (laughs) Don't tell your friends. 160 pounds, um, I can't really do this very much, um, crazy curly hair. I'm not all that intimidating, all right? And if you and I were going to fight, it would probably be more like a slap fest or something. You know, I'd be pulling your hair and, you know, doing weird stuff like the girls do in the school. And, um, and it would just be ugly. And, and you guys would all take pity on me and go, oh, I'll just leave the poor high school pastor alone. He's so pathetic. <laughs> all right? So I don't intimidate most of you. Now, what if I took this bad boy out, and you showed up, you showed up ready to throw some fists, and I'm like, all right, bring it on, let's go, let's do this. I'm about to cut your head off, all right? So that lack of respect that you had for me a few minutes ago, now all of a sudden has changed a little bit, all right? You now are going to tread a little bit more carefully. You have a little bit more respect for me now. Not because of me, but what, because of what I hold in my hand. All right? Now, this is real. All right? I will kill you. I will cut you. So your respect for me goes up because of this. Now, listen. Listen. Don't miss miss this here. Here's how this translates to us. In this battle that we're in, here's the reality. When we go into battle against the enemy and we put on the armor and we stand firm, that that armor that's been given to us to defend us, that is effective to, to ward off the attacks of the enemy. But in all reality, Satan is not intimidated by us. We don't we don't scare Satan. Satan doesn't have a whole lot of respect for us. And he can continue to fire attack after attack and, and shoot like we talked about last week about those fiery arrows at us, and he'll come after us and after us and after us. And we can defend, defend, defend. And we can we we have the ability to stand firm because of that armor. But in truth, the enemy is going to continue to attack us because we don't pose any threat. We don't have anything in our hands that's going to fight back against him. So he has no reason to be intimidated by us. And yet what this passage is talking about, about when we take on the sword of the spirit, all of a sudden things change. And now where we might not have intimidated the enemy all that much, now all of a sudden he's got a whole lot more respect for us. Now all of a sudden, where we might not have been much of a threat, now all of a sudden we're a huge threat. And the enemy understands that when we attack him with this, he stands no shot. No shot. And all of a sudden, I mean, this is literally a game changer, a a battle changer for us. Where we go from defending, defending, and where the enemy's not intimidated or concerned about us, to all of a sudden now, he's got to be very careful about how he attacks us. And knowing that if he's not careful, we have a weapon in our hand that is able to not only defend us, but to fight back and to destroy him. You guys understand how big of a deal this is. Now, let me put this away before somebody gets hurt, like myself. Now, listen to me, guys. Here's the sad thing. Most of us have no clue what this says. We have been given an incredible weapon to fight against the enemy with every single day, and yet we have no idea about the power that it possesses. We have no idea or understanding how much, how much power and and authority we have because of this thing. We have no idea what this says. And we look at this and we go, you know what, it's just kind of an old book and the version I've got, I can't really even understand. It's got all these weird words and I've got four or five of them somewhere in my house or in my car or whatever but you know what, I, I've tried to read it, I don't, it's too, there's too much information, I don't even really know where to start. Um, and so we just kind of go, you know what, this is probably has some value, but it's not that big of a deal to me. And we willfully choose every single day in this battle, rather than to fight with a, with a sword that God has given us, rather we choose to fight barehanded. We say, you know what, I'll just kind of take my chances, and I don't really think that this has all that much value. You guys, it saddens me. It is, it is so, it's so frustrating. Because what I see is a generation of teenagers who are biblically illiterate. Now, if I called you, if I walked up to you and said, hey, uh, you know, and called you illiterate when it came to school, like, you'd probably be a little bit offended, or at least I would hope you would be. You'd be like, who the heck does that guy think he is calling me illiterate? I mean, you would be offended by that, and yet when it comes to us biblically, we are, there is a generation of teenagers who are biblically illiterate. They have no, you guys, a lot of you have no idea how incredibly powerful this is, have no idea what this says, has, have no idea how much value this has for your life. That rather us going, you know what? I, I could take it or leave it or whatever. We understand and, and see that this has unbelievable value for us. That rather than us just kind of tossing it aside, we understand that we can't live without this. And until we do that, until we take this seriously, until we understand the value that this has, the enemy will never take us seriously. This is the weapon that God has given us to fight back against the enemy. And yet we never read it. We never pick it up. We have no idea what it says. Now, why does this thing have so much value for our lives? There's a couple things. The first thing is that it helps us understand who God is. It helps us understand who God is. We can understand God a lot of different ways. I mean, he reveals himself in, in a lot of different ways. But the main way that he reveals himself to us is through his word, through the Bible. When we talk about not really understanding who God is, and that's because we don't have any idea about what this says. That God's word reveals to us who God is, those attributes, the characteristics, his love, his mercy... His, his holiness and how he can't stand sin. And because of that, how he went to such incredible lengths and showed mercy through the cross for us. And all of those characteristics and attributes and who God is, for us to be all able to understand that he is worth following. So it helps it reveal to us, it helps us understand who God is. The second thing it does is that it teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to live. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and it teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. He says, every good thing that God wants us to do, We have that knowledge and that understanding through this. It teaches us how to live. And the goal for us, if we claim that we're followers of Jesus, every every single day should be, God, how can I most honor you? How can I bring you glory? God, what do you want from my life today? God, teach me how to live. Show me how I can live today so that I can most glorify you. And in order for us to do that, we've got to spend time here. We've got to understand what God's saying to us. And the third thing is that it convicts us when we've messed up. convicts us when we've messed up. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It has so much value because it helps us understand who God is. It teaches us how to live. And in those moments where we get off track or we lose sight or we fall short, then God's word convicts us. It helps us understand where we've gotten off track. We're able to confess that and get back on track. So that ultimately we can live the way that God's called us to live. Here's the main point for us tonight. Our salvation protects us. And we must fight back against the enemy with God's word. All right, simple. Our salvation protects us. We must fight back against the enemy with God's word. As we, uh, as we close up tonight, I want to issue a, a challenge to all of us. All right, we haven't necessarily done anything like this before. And so, but he, here's what I, I want to challenge all of us with this. All right, students, leaders, all of us, myself. I want to challenge us with a 30-day a challenge. All right, 30-day challenge, and it looks like this. For the next 30 days, we will commit, all of us together, we'll commit to spending long enough to read one chapter a day in the Bible. All right, take 15 minutes for us to read. For us to carve out for the next 30 days, every single day, to carve out 15 minutes Before we head to school in the morning, or at uh, study hall, or lunch, or after we get home from school, or before we go to bed, or whatever, just 15 minutes, and we read a chapter a day for the next 30 days. Now, not just kind of any, just start reading somewhere, but I think that's part of why we haven't done that, a lot of us, is because we don't really know where to start, and so sometimes it gets confusing, and so we've compiled 30 chapters all right, for the next 30 days, 30 of the most powerful chapters that will that I completely, 100% believe, and I will, I will challenge, this is why we're challenging you guys on this, is that for the next 30 days, it will completely change our lives. That if we will commit to 15 minutes a day, and on each day, the, the chapter that we've given for the specific day, to be able to spend 15 minutes reading that, I, would, I will guarantee you, That at the end of that 30 days, that it will change your life. That there there is so much power in God's word, that literally taking God and what he promises, that he will reveal himself to us, that he will show us how to live, that he will convict us that we've messed up, that at the end of that 30 days, that no one, none of us that do that, will be able to say, you know what, that was a waste of time, I do not really get anything out of that. I will guarantee you that if you will commit to doing that, that it will transform us. That we will be blown away at some of the incredible things that God has shown us. And we will understand how big of a deal this thing is in this battle that we're in every single day. And so what you can do on the way out in the next steps table, there's a, a sheet that just has the 30 day challenge on there. And there's a the 30 chapter that's got each day written. We'll put it out on Twitter every single day if you want to follow us. For, for you guys in your small groups, if you guys want to challenge each other and do that as a group. But all of us, together, over the next 30 days, are going to be reading the same chapter every day for the next 30 days. And by the end of April, I will guarantee you that we will look different. One of the things that, that this series has done me is challenge me to, in the issue of prayer, in the area of prayer, to, to take this to the next level. And in verse 18, Paul talks about, of, of us praying in the spirit at all times, of the importance of prayer and how vital prayer is in this battle every single day. And I've been, I've been challenged like I don't think I ever have before in my life, to seek the heart and the face of God for things that are going on in my own life, and my family's life for things that I know other people are going through, and especially for us as a a student ministry, as a high school ministry. And I've been praying that God would would break us of this apathy and this complacency that just seems to be in us right now, this funk that we seem to be in a lot lot of ways. That God would rip that away from us, that we would not be, be satisfied with just checking a box and going through the motions, but that we would passionately live out this mission that God's called us to. That God would completely stir up in us and bring about a spiritual awakening to the point that there's no way we could take credit for it, but that we would just have to point the finger at God and go, man, only God could do that. That we would literally, every single week when we show up here and and, in the halls of our schools, just be blown away at some of the incredible things that God's doing. That God would stir that up in, in our lives in such a way that it would transform our hearts, that it would transfer uh, into our families, into our schools, into our neighborhoods, that this community would be impacted in such a way where we are passionately pursuing after Christ. And like we've said throughout this this series that we in, I mean we that we're in, we've got two choices: either we stand and fight, or we say, ah, you know what, I don't, I'm not really interested in doing this. And either we stand firm and we go to war every single day and we fight back against the enemy. Or we just sit back and we allow the enemy to attack us and we buy into those lies and we allow the enemy, piece by piece, slowly, one day at a time, be able to completely destroy our lives. You guys, God has called us to fight. God has called us to passionately pursue after him. To live lives worthy of the calling that he's given us. And it's time for us to stand and fight. Knowing that the victory has already been, been promised to us. And we've already been given the armor that we need to make it happen. So let's make war. Let's fight. Let's take this battle to the enemy's doorstep. You guys with me? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you for the salvation that you have freely given to us. God, I pray if there are any students in the room tonight who have tried to complicate it or add things to it or have been deceived by the enemy into thinking that salvation equals effort or good works or trying hard enough or coming to church or any of that other stuff that we have allowed to to enter into our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that you would bring clarity. God, help us to understand that we are only saved by grace through faith. It is only because of what you have done for us through the cross that we have life and freedom. God, I thank you for the word, the sword of the spirit that has been given to us. God, the Bible that so often, unfortunately, we just kind of flippantly toss aside and assume that it has no relevance for our lives. God, that we would begin to pick up that sword that you have given us, that we would dive into that, that we would allow you to change us and to speak to us and to reveal who you are and how we're to live and to convict us when we get off track. God, that you would transform our lives because we have have spent time in your word. And like a sword that's been put in our hand, God, that we would take back that attack towards the enemy. God, thank you that victory is already ours. Overwhelming victory is ours. God, I pray that we would claim that. God, I pray that we would make war. We would see you do an unbelievable work in us and through us. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.